0: Welcome to another episode of the Page-Turner's Podcast. I am your host, Elgin Bailey. Here at the Page-Turner's Podcast, we believe that reading is a form of political education. One of the things that we believe here at the Page-Turner's Podcast is there is liberation through pages. So I encourage you all out there to study and fight this season. Number four of the Pace Turns podcast, we have been reading Dr. Jarrett, a ball's myth and propaganda of black buying power. This is episode number fifty two. Season 4, episode 14, number 52. You got some wonderful things coming your way <clears throat> uh, here in the coming weeks, so stay tuned. Big things is happening over here, as always, a special thank you to TV. Uh, for distributing the Pace Turner's podcast. Appreciate you. And that's enough housekeeping. So let's dig in. We are at the end of chapter six. Just another page and a half, I believe. And then we're going to be going into the conclusion of the book. The final chapter, chapter seven. We're on page 97 if you are following along. By the way, uh, you can get free copies of The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Simply do your Googles and you can get free copies of Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power of Dr. Jarrett A. Ball. And I read... But it remains the propaganda side of this issue which carries the most impact. After all, Black people no less need to be told of their material, lived experience or suffering. What is most needed is a powerful propaganda to manage. As best as can be expected, the potential unrest derived from that suffering, which, from the beginning, has been a prime importance. It is the impact of unchecked messaging, which requires more attention. So much of the power behind the impact of the myth on black America is derived not from the myth itself, but its messengers. And that's a part that I want to repeat again. So much of the power behind the impact of the myth on black America is derived not from the myth itself, But, damn, it's messengers. Originating in this iteration with the black commercial press, the myth is carried by the white mainstream back through punditry, even more grassroots media and political activism, and permeates uncontrollably. And so it had to be then predictable, inevitable, and consistent that buying power connected as is often the case with the issue of banking would come roaring back with new energy in April of 2017 propelled by hashtag black lives matter. The one United bank public relations statement began and I quote a historical partnership has been born between one United bank, the largest black owned bank in the country in Black Lives Matter to organize the $1.2 trillion in spending power of Black America. End quote. As already noted, even presidents of banks seem unclear as to the meaning of buying power, certainly of its origins, methods, and apparently purpose. If Black-owned media and banking institutions, supported by all manner of political and religious pundits, Organizations, academics, and activists misrepresent and popularize the meaning of buying power, it stands to reason that newer formations containing younger, more politically inexperienced membership will follow suit. In this instance, it is irrelevant that this effort at Banking Black meant generating more revenue for bail payments to help some get out of jail or to attain some legal assistance. Similarly, it matters little that there is political disagreement over the particular tactic. Most relevant here is how the myth is propagated, goes unquestioned, and is carried across generations and political spectrums. And Right on cue is the most current-running promotion from that same one United Bank, Quote, just when you thought he couldn't get no blacker, blah, turns out that royalty is in more than our DNA. It's in our ATMs, too. And if you guys didn't know, that royalty reference is referring to Kendrick Lamar's song, Um, I Have Royalty in My DNA. And I read, Even better, as if to further the argument being made here, there's an almost perfect depiction of the fictitious cycle. The concept of buying power itself helped to prominence via the Johnson black media outlet strictly for the purposes of attracting white corporate ad dollars to one of its modern, most dominant promotional mechanisms, Nielsen to the elite economic news outlet Fortune magazine, which ran this story right back to the black communities via a black bank and press media. According to Fortune, a 2018 Nielsen report found that the collective buying power of Black America is a whopping 1.2 trillion annually. An amount we can get really ingenuous, and genius with if we stay in formation and support companies that, in return, benefit Black issues. Jesus. In one fell swoop, whatever genius exists in Kendrick Lamar's DNA is extracted and reduced along with real historical references to a suppressed African presence and royalty in world history to what is claimed to be in our ATMs again. The powerful usurpation of history via symbol becomes an equally powerful element of propaganda aligned against an unsuspecting audience. No one investigates the claims of Nielsen, nor is method of surveying the spending habits of a relatively handful of black shoppers. And from here, expoliating a power itself only defined by them as an ability to buy advertised products. The claim of buying power's potential is merely then repeated as route. Well. If black banks, black media, and white media, government officials, and ad buyers all heavily support and promote a myth, what chance do targeted audiences have? Shit. That is the end, ladies and gentlemen, of chapter 6. Proceed To the end The last chapter of the book Chapter 7 Conclusion Policy and Organization Versus Economics Hmm This is going to be good And I read The myth of black buying power suggests often that public policy or politics are to be sublated. Uh, I destroyed that word. The myth of black buying power suggests often that public policy or politics are to be similar to the importance of economic development. As a result, significant damage is done to both an understanding of economics and to the development of strategies for addressing continuing inequalities. Public policy and politics movements must be engaged at greater levels, making redistribution of created national wealth a priority, and efforts which focus primarily or exclusively on black capitalism, business, and buying power must be either abandoned entirely or redesigned within a more appropriate context or understanding of the relationship of public policy to matters often isolated as solely economic. There's a lot of people who are always talking about uh asking for what are solutions, how do you fix this, what do you do, yada yada yada, ABC 123, QBC ESPN, all that jazz in this particular chapter of the book, Dr. Ball lies out policy and organization versus economic, public policy and joining an organization versus black capitalism black economics okay And I read. The most immediate goal of this book has been to displace and permanently sever any conceptual relationship between buying power and liberation. A second goal of the book has been to discourage any further distinction between economics and politics. A final goal of this book is to encourage more critical investigation into existing class divisions and the role they play in kinds of media and journalism which dominate most public spheres. The concept of buying power has been deployed so often for so long from so many points of view and across so many forms of media so as to become more than ex- an but the very interpretive lens through which so many dangerously prescriptive conclusions or suggested programs for change derive. But what was the evolved goal? The media environment created in the United States over the last century was developed precisely in order that it would produce new Americans as consumers who accept as inexplicably linked the concepts of democracy and freedom and capitalism. Mm-mm-mm. buying power as a concept works as would any commercial media outlet producing conceptual content meant to capture an audience It then sells generating revenue for its parent company capitalism. As a lore, buying power mythologizes possibilities within the American economic order, but modified by any preface, black advance late stage corporate crony, Capitalism does not distribute created wealth in such a way as to close material gaps. In fact, those gaps are prevalent. As Nick Heiner said, either capitalism will allow people to lead stable and dignified, secure lives, or will need to be replaced. If domestic and global inequality are signs, then capitalism needs replacing because fewer every day are able to lead stable or dignified lives. There are obvious relative differences, but capitalism cannot be said to be working for any entire racial, religious, or ethnic group, not even white ones. The effects are showing as more of the wealth produced domestically and around the world rebounds to an ever-shrinking number mostly white people that still remains that even more whites are finding it harder to keep within nearly any defined version of middle-class. Not unrelated is that more whites are also reporting increasing rates of depression and suicide. And then they are also arming themselves and reinvigorating old tropes of blaming their worsening conditions on black people and immigrants. We saw this shit happen on January 6th with uh, (laughs) White-Mageddon taking place at the Capitol. Same type of shit here. And I read, But no group has the myth of buying power so heavily promoted to it and from within its own business class, making the concept so much more damaging to their political consciousness than black America. Beyond promoting the mythology alone, the propaganda contained encourages an almost unquestioned belief in the ability of capitalism and the white supremacy around which it is organized to promote positive results for the whole. When this inevitably does not occur, the myth is there to step in and ensure that any failure that to materially advance is evidence of an inherent flaw with any given individual or an entire community. So, when black capitalism does work, because we have this one point trillion dollars in buying power, it's not because the capitalism or the buying power idea is a myth, it's because black people just are inherently poor uh, people with money. Like, we're just bad with money. We don't do well with money. That's the type of shit that this does. (sighs) Then, of course, the myth of black buying power is reintroduced into nearly every facet of black political thought inhibiting tactical platforms from developing in As many organizational spaces. Two more timely reminders of the true meaning of the black buying power speak most clearly to the ability of the myth to inhibit an understanding of national political and economy or the role media and journalism play. The recent addition to the mythology from Nielsen titled It's In The Bag, Black Consumers' Path to Purchase, begins again with the claim of black buying power now reaching $1.3 trillion, where they also again reference the ceiling center, though only by date. No report, title, link, name, etc. Nielsen also continues to rebrand power as the ability to buy products targeted for sale to black people. For instance, the power and influence of hip-hop is defined by the ability of today's hottest rappers to promote brands to their audiences. Chance the Rapper for Doritos, 2 Chain for Google's new smartphone, Pixel 3a, among others. The Ringer, Little Nas X collection illustrates the influence of hip hop on fashion and culture. Oreo, the cookie brand, created culturally connectivity by creating a 2019 Grammy spot that featured a full song by Wiz Khalifa in a spot featuring him with his son, Sebastian, and of course, Oreos. The pattern described above continues, including the suggestion that which Khalifa doing commercials for Oreo's Black Collective Economic Power. Later, the report continues, Nielsen previously targeting of the conscious consumer, but they are very clear precisely from whom these reports are written. Just what does it mean to be conscious? That's a hell of a question. The multicultural market is expected to continue growing. Companies are of, of, companies can't afford to sleep on, as Black Twitter would say, this opportunity. It's low-hanging fruit and available to brands that aren't afraid to embrace it. The first step is understanding how Black consumers shop and make purchases. Because not only are African Americans enthusiastic consumers, they are conscious consumers, being conscious or awakened means being attuned to the issues that impact you. We are people who fight against injustice both physically and financially. Corporations should embrace our passions and desire to ensure that we are shopping with brands who are making an impact in our lives. Once again, buying power is the ability to purchase goods and services mostly produced or owned by non-Black Americans. Beyond, however, the unrealities produced by Nielsen, Selig, and their compatriots in the commercial presses, there is an update of the concerns expressed previously by Honor and Schuyler. Persistent and worsening racial wealth and income disparities and the negative impact this increasingly has on black consumption is being seen as a threat to the entire national economy. As discussed, black power, power is not about any real strength amongst black people. It is a reflection of black impact on producing wealth for the economy. That is white elites. According to a recent report, The widening racial wealth gap disadvantages Black families, individuals, and communities and limits Black citizens' economic power and prospects, and the effects are cyclical. Such a gap contributes to intergenerational economic precariness. Almost 70% of middle-class Black children are likely to fall out of the middle class as adults other than its obvious negative impact on human development for black individuals and communities the racial wealth gap also constrains the us economy as a whole it is estimated that its dampening effect on consumption and investment will cost the us economy between 1 trillion and 1.5 trillion between 2019 and 2028 4 to 6% of the projected gdp in 2018 Wowser! <laughs> Jesus, I'm just taking notes because I I, I want to go back to that last part because that's phenomenally scary, and I read. It is truly a return to the beginnings of why the BLS began producing these reports, to gauge and manage the inequality which inevitably arises in the struggle between capital and labor. If black people are not paid more, just enough to shop more, the entire economy suffers. That is, the wealthy few who own the goods, services, and processes which bring them to market (coughs) and market what is brought to the consuming public, excuse me, by the way. This book is titled as it is indeed because once the myth is exposed, there remains the propaganda about the myth, which has its own separate enduring impact and influence. As is often the case, even when exposed to contradicting facts or in the case of journalism, retracted misinformation, the initial messaging can retain its cognitive dominance. That is the power of propaganda and its continued influence effect. Ooh. Damn, that's heavy. So even when truth is introduced, the power of propaganda is its continued influence effect. In two experiments, we showed that pre-existing attitudes co-determine people's reliance on information. That is, people are more likely to use the piece of information in their reasoning when this piece of information is congruent with their attitudes and beliefs. Unlike some previous research, however, we found that the effectiveness of retractions and misinformation was not affected by attitudes. That is, people's attitudes did not affect the extent to which a retraction reduced their reliance on a piece of attitudinal relevant misinformation. To reconcile this finding with the existing literature, we suggested that the effectiveness of attitude incongruent retractions will depend on whether or not accepting the retraction will induce a requirement to change the underlying attitude. When accepting a retraction does not require change in underlying attitudes, it will not be rejected for attitudinal reasons. When a retraction does challenge people's underlying attitudes, they will resist it. Wow. And I read, New fact-based information, if presented, but contradicts existing views, can be resisted or is ineffective in penetrating constructed realities. And these are the conclusions reached in studies where there are actual retracted publications. In the case of Black Buying Power, not only have there been no retractions, but the claims are being supported, even produced and published by the commercial press in both the mainstream and Black community, and have been for decades Even where there is criticism and has been, as shown above, diminished, overwhelmed, or removed entirely, this will indeed present a problem and has for years regarding the impact of this argument. But this argument demands engagement if there is to be progress made or for any suggested solutions to be made at all meaningful. Therefore, If there are to be any solutions, they must include a vigorous criticism of the commercial press and their relationship to political movements and the histories of these movements. More work needs to be done in exploring the impact of class bias on black commercial press and media and on class itself as an issue within black America. It is clear that the political and economic incentive amongst the most popular commercial presses is to promote a material existence in history which is consistent with their own interests, but is often inconsistent with reality. The necessary intellectual and journalistic work is not likely to be welcome true. This is why, for instance, so much of the historical discussion and contemporary reporting regarding buying power and black politics centered around black capitalism with most with almost nothing meaningful found in commercial Black presses of the histories of socialism, communism, pan-Africanism, anti-imperialism, and radical nationalism. Black historical luminaries are often relegated when discussed at all within Black commercial media or press through their engagement with various entrepreneurial endeavors absent any of their contemporary critics or alternate offerings. This fethers the myth tactic. Ability to promote capitalism while denying current realities and to constrain thought about what can be done going forward. The popular position taken associated with buying power or a larger belief that capitalism can be adjusted favorably to work for all is that black people have made the historical mistake of putting too much emphasis on politics and not on economics. If the argument goes, more time were spent developing black wealth like the Jews or the Asians running corner stores and hair care business in our communities, then black people would come up as those groups have. What these perspectives generally miss is that whatever advances these and other communities have made are A. Not erasing class divisions with any of those communities or their originating countries. And B, whatever anyone has ever done to improve their economic position has required public policy or government support. Poor people, black, white, and so on, cannot close any societal gap, economic or otherwise, without political movement, which assume political power and redirect public policy to work for more, if not all. Those who benefit most from economic understands this point well and have developed policies and regulations assuring wealth we all help generate is transformed even upward. Uh, Oh man, I didn't realize that. Okay. I might as well actually finish The book tonight. I had no idea that this would be the conclusion. I didn't realize that this would be the final episode of the myth and propaganda of Black buying power. Okay, well, let me finish and I read. As an example, recently, authors Lindsay and Tales have described ours as a captured economy or one with public policy suffering already from regulatory capture. By this, they mean simply that the wealthiest have taken nearly full control of the apparatus of government and have set public policy to their exclusive benefit while promoting another powerful myth of desiring small government. The elite continue to use government in a big way to enact policy which protects their interests. What goods go to market and at what prices or at what rates were those goods taxed or subsidized? What laws regulated banks or do not or determine their function? The value of the money in our accounts. Who can buy what land and do with what with what? What wars are fought to protect which business interests and who are allowed to privatize publicly funded research, turning it into military defense or pharmaceuticals for sale on the global market? And then who gets what share of those generated profits? All is determined by policy. And for a few, it is working well. Consider that. Jack, in nineteen I'm sorry. Back in 1970, 92% of 30-year-olds were making more money than their parents did at that age. By 2010, only 50% of 30-year-olds could still say the same. And looking ahead, only a third of Americans now believe that the next generation will be better off. The share of total income accounted for by the top 1% of earners has doubled from 8% in 1979 to 18% in 2015, and while the share of the top 0.1% has quadrupled from 2% to almost 8% over the same period. At the time of this book... Is going to press the bureau of economic analysis bea is reporting that the gdp of the united states is 21.5 trillion how those funds are distributed is a matter of public policy even a return to the relatively modest calls of the Nixon-era ombe that this be the pool of buying power dollars targeted by Black businesses and communities would be in advance over the more prevalent calls today for a redistraction of the far smaller and more mythological dollars within the Black community. GDP is far more real, if not an indicator of inequality, and is something everyone has already contributed to with every penny they spend shopping, paying taxes, and bills. GDP is a measure measurement of what is actually collected as opposed to projections and estimates of what is spent with that amount being generated every year there should be no one in need and there should be only ever this should only ever be there should only ever decreasing gaps in material inequality excuse me however Solutions requiring the asking and answering of different questions can be developed when the premise is an illusion created by the illusionists. Black politics cannot continue to be so heavily dominated and limited by a marketing tool developed and used by a commercial media and business class. The meaning of power must be reclaimed and understood not as resulting from consumption but as organized collective and mass political action. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give Dr. Jarrett a ball a tremendous round of applause for this phenomenal work The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Uh, Absolutely phenomenal. And again, you can get a copy of this wonderful book by just doing your Googles uh, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power uh, by Dr. Jared A. Ball. Again, this concludes season. Man, another, se- wow, that came quick, man. Another season in the books. Wow. Another season in the books and I have already figured out what I'm going to be doing for season number five. Already know what it is, and I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek. Uh, let's pull it up. It's coming. da 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 da. Let's show the people. mm Mm let's here it is ladies and gentlemen this is going to be what for season five season five season five will be the revolution will not be funded beyond the nonprofit industrial complex (laughs) season number five the revolution will not be funded beyond the prison the, the, the nonprofit industrial complex That will be season number five. Season number five. Also, I am currently doing bonus episodes uh, because there's another book that I am currently reading. So if you are following the Page Turners, man, you should be checking us out on all of our social media platforms because I am also doing We Do This Till We Free by Maramek Kaba. Abolition is Organizing and Transforming Justice Every week I am doing a reading an essay from this book that is a collection of essays from her. So every week I'm doing an essay from We Do This Till We Free. But that is only able to be... Well, the only way that you can get involved with this one or, or you know, take part in this one is audio there will be no video for that one it's a bonus it's it's a bonus so it's audio only the revolution will not be funded will be audio and video starting next week and there is going to be a lot more commentary with that book uh, spend a lot more commentary with. We do this till we free anyway. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for tuning into uh, season four of the Page Turner's podcast. And uh, stay tuned.